Middlesbury, Scotland, Friday, November 8th, midnight. Dr. Ivan Orgoff was walking carefully down a muddy path toward the old cemetery gate. He was accompanied by two strange and pale companions. The three men were on a ghastly mission. Open the gate! Follow me to the mortuary. Go on, you morons! Orgov cracked the whip. Go, I said! He paused for a moment, concentrating on the task ahead. Then, slowly, he pushed open the heavy wooden door. The stone chamber smelled of death and rot. An eerie light shone on the cold marble floor, casting a glow over Orgoff's haggard face. The coffin. Open the lid. There she is. Good evening, Mary. A dark-haired woman in a white shroud was lying in a coffin. Mary Winston, 21 years old. Two nights ago, her life had been unexpectedly cut short. Tomorrow, they were going to bury her forever. Oh, you are beautiful, Mary. Even in death. I will return you to this world. Come, we have work to do. Who is this? The caretaker. Kinney Mitchell had been working at St. Paul Cemetery for over 40 years. He found the work easy, and he enjoyed the quiet serenity of his surroundings. Until tonight. What are you doing here? You should not have disturbed us. Get rid of him! Get him! Kinney could smell the decay. The men grabbed hold of him and dug their rotting teeth deep into his flesh. Deep in the heart of London is an inconspicuous terraced house. It may not look like much on the outside, but inside it's a different story. Scotland Yard's special edition. This is where I work. Come in. <coughs> ah, Mr. Sinclair, finally. Sir James, looking sturdy as ever. Don't be insulting. I'm a man who happens to like his meat and potatoes. And lots of it. Hilarious. Where have you been? I thought you were dead. Uh, have a seat. Uh, and close the door. You're letting all the heat out. <sighs> Caught a cold, have you? You do seem a bit pale. <laughs> Quite so. Walter has been drinking chamomile tea all day. Chamomile. Bloody disgusting. How was America? Tiring. Just got back. A small town in the Appalachian Mountains. A doomsday cult. Quite delusional. They were hoping to bring about the end of the world by sacrificing a virgin. I took care of it. How? 
Turns out their virgin is no longer a virgin. No wonder you're tired. Good to know that we have men of such steely courage at Scotland Yard. I do what I can. And uh, what if they're not? What? Delusional. What if they're not? You're not seriously suggesting you believe this sort of thing? No, I'm not suggesting anything. But you haven't been here long. You haven't seen what I've seen. You need to keep an open mind, Sinclair. Believe me, you'll need it. Take a look at this. This report came from a local constabulary in Scotland. A place named... Uh, where are my glasses? Uh, Middlesbury, yes. Middle of bloody nowhere, if you ask me. Here. Hmm. Ronald Winston, a farmer, accused of murdering his wife and daughter. Winston claims their daughter attacked them out of nowhere. I don't see why they would involve special division in this. Because the daughter in question, Mary Winston, was no longer among the living when the murder occurred. She had died two days prior of heart failure. Quite an alibi. Perhaps Mr. Winston lost his marbles. Grief can do that to a person. Still, why us? Mary's body mysteriously vanished from the mortuary on the night of the killing. The cemetery caretaker was found dead at the site. We're still waiting for the coroner's report, but preliminary findings suggest he was partially devoured. <clears throat> I see. And how did Mrs. Winston die? The murderer tore out her larynx and trachea with his bare teeth, choked to death on her own blood, the poor one. So both victims were more. Precisely. Uh, Mr. Winston then proceeded to shoot his own daughter in the head with a hunting rifle. That's quite a story. And there may be a lot more to it. Two other bodies have recently gone missing from the pathology department of the University of Aberdeen. We need you to look into this whole matter. Of course. An open mind, Sinclair. And John. Yes? Do try and stay out of trouble, won't you? I'd hate to lose one of my best men. I'll try. But trouble has a way of finding me. There is light and there is darkness. I was blind to both. And I had to learn to see. To open my eyes. I learned by blood. My name is John Sinclair. coast of Scotland, its hills and forests, have always been known for their natural beauty and its many dark tales. I knew the country well. I was born in Scotland. On the drive up to Middlesbury, I made a new acquaintance. Miss? Excuse me, miss? Yes? I'm sorry, I was hoping you could help me. I'm looking for Middlesbury. So am I. I think it should be right ahead. Thank you. Uh, aren't you going to offer me a lift in that Bentley of yours? Oh, it's freezing out here. Ah, of course. Forgive me. Here. Oh, thank you. John Sinclair, pleased to meet you. You can put your suitcase on the back seat. Here, oh. let me. There you go. Thank you, Mr. Sinclair. You're a saviour. I got off at the wrong train station. I was afraid I'd have to walk the rest of the way. Glad to help. 
so. What brings you to Scotland? I'm a bird watcher. Are you now? Seen any pretty birds yet? I'd say. I'm following a flock of chiffchaffs. And you? You're not from here, are you, Miss? Baxter. Anne Baxter. I'm a reporter from London. The Daily Echo. Ah, I read your article, The Case of the Missing Corpses. A bit lurid, don't you think? Lurid cells? And I don't want to think about work. I'm here on holidays. Yes, Scotland is supposed to be lovely in November. <laughs> All right, you've got me. I'm chasing a story. And you're chasing something other than chiff-chaffs, Mr. Sinclair. Didn't your mother tell you it's rude to lie? And didn't your mother tell you it's dangerous to accept rides from strangers? <laughs> you're hardly a stranger. You're Detective Chief Inspector Sinclair. Scotland... <sighs> hit a nerve, did I? Hardly. My nerves are fine. But I'd rather not get hit by that train. You were saying... Your special division. I've heard a lot about you. You're taller than I imagined, though. What have you heard? You're a war veteran, 3rd Battalion, the Black Watch, an expert in hand-to-hand -hand combat, stationed at Kandahar. But something went wrong, and your unit was airlifted out. You quit the army and read criminology and philosophy at Oxford, and they recruited you for Special Division. What happened in Afghanistan, Mr. Sinclair? Like you said, something went wrong. She did hit a nerve, but I wasn't the type to dwell on past mistakes. After the train passed, I put my Bentley in gear and put my foot down. Middlesbury was a small village, several miles south of Aberdeen. It wasn't much. Just a few scattered farms, a railway line, and Argyle Castle, an ancient tottering structure looming heavily over the cliffs, casting a perpetual shadow. According to the guidebook, the castle's haunted. People call it the Black Key. You mean to tell me you believe in ghosts? <laughs> you mean to tell me you don't? Hell is empty, and all the devils are here. I see you know your Shakespeare. You're here for Dr. Orgoff, aren't you? Dr. who? Ivan Orgoff, the new owner of Argyle Castle. The necromancer. Care to comment? No. This is it, Miss Baxter. You better get out. There's the pub. Not exactly the Ritz. Hello? Anyone here? Anyone? A hatch behind the bar's open. <gasps> oh, what was that? You'd better stand back. I thought you didn't believe in ghosts. I do believe in danger. <sighs> you scared me. Oh. <laughs> I must drop my bottle of beer. <laughs> what do you want? Oh, something to eat and a room for the night. Is that so unusual? This is a pub, isn't it? We're closed. Get out. I beg your pardon? You had me. Get out. Right now. Excuse me. Daddy. Evening, Constable. A tall, heavy-set man in his late fifties stood in the door. He seemed too big for his uniform. His skin was ruddy, probably the scotch. Who are you? 
DCI John Sinclair, Scotland Yard. And this is Miss Anne Baxter from London. Constable Jones? Yes. Be young for the job, aren't you? You're barely out of your nappies. At least I'm house-trained. We don't like outsiders much in these parts. And the truth is, well, we've all been a bit tense lately. Those killings. <laughs> the killings are the reason I'm here. I need you to show me the crime scene. Now? It's almost lunchtime. Thank God you brought provisions. Shall we? Well, I suppose. Oh, and miss. Yes? I know it's none of my concern, but I'd strongly caution you to stay indoors for the time being. We don't know what's out there. No need to worry about me, Constable. I'm sure Mr. Sinclair here will protect me from any ghosts and goblins. Won't you? <laughs> you have my word. But Anne Baxter did not take the constable's advice. That was her mistake. Shortly after John Sinclair and Constable Jones left the pub, she made her way up to the Black Keep. The only path was treacherous, winding above to a steep cliff. One false step could mean certain death. The scene didn't reveal much detail. It was an average two-story farmhouse on the outskirts of town. This is where the victim was found, right by the door. My God, the poor woman was practically slaughtered. I know. Have the lab results come in? Yes, Dr. McAllister is in charge of that. She's the town physician. It's the oddest thing. There were no footprints or fingerprints that didn't match Mr. or Mrs. Winston or their deceased daughter. So there is no indication that a stranger had entered the house? That's right. And where is Mr. Winston now? Well, at the police station, of course. Where else would he be? <laughs> I think I'd better speak to him. We'll take your car. And, Constable? Um, yes? Put that flask away. You're in uniform. Yes, sir. Middlesbury, Tuesday, 12 p.m. St. John's over there. Noisy, eh? Ugly old thing, that kept. I'm not here for the sights, Constable. The constabulary is right here. All right, Ron. The boy from London is here. Go away! Mr. Winston, in your own words, would you tell us what happened? The devil is in Middlesbury. That's what's happened. 
We're being punished for our sins. Please, Mr. Winston, what happened on the night of November the 8th? She killed her. Who? Mary. My Mary. She killed... She killed my wife! One thing at a time, please. <laughs> Mr. Winston, I know this must be hard on you, but we must know what happened. We must know the truth. I couldn't sleep that night. Both of us, me and Caroline, my wife. I'm Mary, you see. What happened? Do you have children, Mr. Sinclair? I'm afraid not. I'm married to my work. Then you can't know what it's like. Losing your child. How did Mary die? Dr. McAllister said it was congenital heart failure. A genetic defect? Her heart was weak. But we didn't know. She just... <laughs> Go on, Mr. Winston. Her heart gave in. One minute she was sitting at the breakfast table on the neck. I understand Mary's funeral was set for the ninth. Caroline was murdered the night before. Can you tell us what happened? Hey, that's why we couldn't sleep. We kept thinking of our Mary. All alone in that cold mortuary. And then, suddenly, I heard the sound of the door. What time is it? Nearly two in the morning. Well, who could that be at this hour? I'll take a look. Oh, don't run, I'm scared. Caroline, I have to. You remember what happened that night, don't you? Oh, don't open that door. Dear God! Mary! Sweetheart? Mary! My baby! <laughs> What happened next, Mr. Winston? I, I'm not sure. This wasn't our Mary, not anymore. She was deathly pale. And the way she moved, like, like she didn't know how to walk. And then, suddenly, she attacked Caroline. Oh, I reached my hunting rifle and Mary was... Oh, Lord have mercy. She was... She was eating her! <laughs> and then you fired the shots? Yes. Thank you, Mr. Winston. I know this must have been very difficult for you. Inspector? Yes? The devil is in Middlesbury. He's punishing us for what we did that night. All right now, that's quite enough. I'll check in with you later. over Middlesbury, Anne Baxter carefully made her way through the castle's ancient, rotting courtyard. Ah! Oh, 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 calm down. It's just a crow. Here we are. She cautiously walked up to the main gate. Locked. Maybe one of the side entrances. Using a flashlight, she began looking for a way in. Finally, she found an old door leading into the main tower. The dark entrance was covered with cobwebs. A strange feeling came over her, like needles on her skin. Don't do it, an inner voice said. 
but she pressed on. She came upon a spiral staircase and followed it up, counting each step. Then, suddenly, she saw a light at the top. She cautiously approached. In front of her was a narrow door. Anne Baxter pressed her hands against it and gave a gentle push. My God! She found herself in a large stone chamber. High up in the tower, she was surrounded by ancient laboratory equipment. Glass vials, pipes, and bulbs were everywhere. Old books and yellowed papers with strange markings were carelessly strewn about. In the back of the room stood a large cage. Who are you? The woman in the cage was beautiful, with long black hair and pale alabaster skin. Her elegant dress clung to her hourglass figure, but her hands and feet were chained. Her beautiful face seemed distorted. Oh, I'll help you. Uh, don't worry, I'll get you out of here. But I'm going to need tools, um, or anything. Do you have any idea where... The wooden door which Anne had left open suddenly slammed shut. And in the stark beam of her torch, she saw a face. No, no, no. If I were you, I wouldn't open that cage. What do you make of Winston's statement? I think he's convinced himself he's telling the truth. He might be delusional. Maybe it is the truth. The dead returning to life like zombies in a movie? Hardly. Are you a God-fearing man, Inspector? I'm afraid we're on our own. Concerned with the living, those are the ones to fear. I hope you're right. About there not being a god, I mean. And why is that? Well, we're all sinners, aren't we? Ron Winston said the town was being punished. What do you make of that? Ah, here we are. St. Paul's Cemetery. Cold out here. There's a storm coming. We're in for a rough night. The report said the cemetery was broken into. Yes. We found old Kinney dead in the mortuary. The caretaker. Do you see that? What? Footprints. Take a look. Three people. Judging by the size of the print, I'd say they were men. And there are more prints over here. A woman's. No shoes. Mary Winston. Constable, this sort of talk really isn't helpful. Do you know what a necromancer is, Inspector? The word comes from the Latin necromantia, a magician who communes with the dead. What do you know about this, Dr. Orgoth? Not much. I bought the Black Heat two years ago. No one in town has seen him yet. He has food delivered once a month, but the truck is only allowed to go as far as the gate. According to our files, Ivan Orgoff is a Romanian immigrant who came to the UK as a young man. He and his mother escaped a Soviet gulag. He's a disgraced scientist. I wonder what he's doing in Middlesbury. Let's take a look at the bodies, shall we? 
Middlesbury, 7.38 p.m. I've got to warn you about Dr. McAllister. Why? She can be a little harsh. Used to have a promising career in Aberdeen ages ago. <laughs> Didn't work out, I suppose. Probably her charming personality. So she came here. She's a town physician, and I asked her to handle the bodies being a medical professional. Mr. Sinclair? Yes? Over here. I'm Dr. McAllister. Pleased to meet you, Doctor. Under normal circumstances, I'd shake your hand, but I was in the middle of an autopsy. I see you have blood on your hands. Such sparkling wit. Follow me. Here they are. Good Kinney God. Mitchell to the left. The late, late Mary Winston in the middle, and her mother, Caroline, over there. I was just finishing her up. And what have you found? Just what I said in my report. Kinney Mitchell and Caroline Winston were both partially devoured. Take a look. As you can see, her throat was practically torn out. Cause of death, severe hemorrhaging. At least it was quick. You all right, Constable? Fine. I need a drink. I disagree. Alcohol impairs your mental capacity. You tend to forget things. That's the whole point. And Mary Winston? She died of a rifle shot to the head. The second time. The first time she died of heart failure. Did you issue the death certificate? Do you see any other doctors here? Apart from the mysterious Dr. Orgoff, I'm not sure he's properly licensed. <laughs> Are you trying to be humorous again? Tell me, is it possible you made a mistake? No. How can you be so certain? I know how to do my job. A lack of heartbeat or pulse is generally a good indication. Mary Winston was dead two days before the murder of her mother. You can see the signs of lividity on her back. The blood clots. It wouldn't look like this if she'd been killed on the 8th. And what can you tell me about Mr. Mitchell? Hmm. Poor bastard was eaten alive. Here. The bite marks are clearly human. It took him a while to die. Whoever did it attacked his limbs first, then gradually devoured his inner organs, starting with the kidneys, the liver, a very sensitive organ, by the way, Constable, then came the lungs. Then his intestines were torn out and eaten like a bowl of spaghetti. And finally, the heart. It was probably still beating when they ripped it out of his chest. Excuse me! I need some air! I keep telling him not to drink so much. He's a sensitive sort. Coming. Constable, what is it? Over there. Do you see? What? There. The black keep. The lights are on in the tower windows. There's something going on. We'd better take a look. from her unconsciousness, she found herself surrounded by three men. The smallest of them had a bony face. His deep-set eyes seemed to burn with a mad fire. The man was dressed in a lab coat, and his fingers twitched nervously around a leather whip. My sincere apologies for inconveniencing you. Um, who are you? Orgov. Ivan Orgov, my name. Pleased to meet you. 
And these are my assistants. The two men had pallid complexions. Their clothes were in shreds. What did you do to them? Oh, I gave them life. Anne Baxter stared in horror at the many nails that were buried deep in the men's naked flesh. Don't let that frighten you. The nails help them feel. It makes it easier to control them. Painful, yes, but at least pain is a feeling. I think they like it. Let me show you. Orgoff reached for one of the rusty nails and pushed it even deeper into the man's forearm. Oh, my God! <laughs> Amusing, isn't it? You're sick! People keep saying that. You have been a naughty girl. You have entered my kingdom. Oh, why are you keeping this poor woman in a cage? Oh, you mean Lara? Well, for the same reason one would keep anyone in a cage. To prevent them from leaving. What are you talking about? She's always hungry. It's hard to keep her sedated. She's generally a, a bit calmer when she's with me. <laughs> oh! How about some music? Ah, it's her favorite song. <laughs> From the old country. It's nice, don't you think? It soothes her. Doesn't it, darling? <laughs> he reached into the cage and gently stroked the woman's cheek. <laughs> You're going to be all right, my love. I promise. Her demonic appearance softened. For a few moments, she seemed almost human. Her eyes were infinitely wistful. Lara? Is that her name? Yes. Who is she? Your wife? Your daughter? No, not my daughter. She's someone I loved dearly. But I lost her, you see many years ago and then someone offered me a pact a, a pact she needs souls to live and tonight there will be a feast of souls the curse of the undead will spread and she will be strong enough at last she will come back to me not like she is now this empty shell no I mean, fully alive. Now, the question is, what am I going to do with you? What do you mean? I'm afraid I'll have to prevent you from leaving. Lara, there's someone here who wants to meet you. Isn't she beautiful? Orgoff leaned over and gave the woman a lingering, sensuous kiss. Dinner is served. At that moment, Anne Baxter realized she would not leave the Black Keep alive. The woman stumbled toward her. You can't do that! I'm awfully sorry! No, no, no. Lara put her hands around Anne Baxter's throat and started pressing. Harder and harder. Strangling her. No. You see, with every pact, there's always a price to pay. 
forgive me. Raining heavily when we arrived at the gates of the Black Keep. I had brought my service revolver, just in case. Look, this must be Orkov. There are two men with him. What are they doing? They're loading something onto that lorry. It looks like a woman. They have her in chains. No. Holy Mother of God, it's her. That's impossible. You know her? You. You should have to be here. In his right hand, he held a whip. His gaze sent shivers down my spine. Suddenly, I heard a sound. From the corner of my eyes, I saw someone approaching. Anne? Anne Baxter? Her head was drooping to one side. She moved slowly towards me, as though she was sleepwalking. It looked like she was covered in blood. You may have them, my children. They're yours. I saw Orgoth climb into his lorry. The attack came unexpectedly, and Baxter threw herself at me. My Beretta slipped from my grasp and fell to the ground. And it's me, Josh! I felt the sharp sting of human teeth sinking into my flesh, and Baxter's face had no trace of humanity left. I pushed her back. She stumbled and fell. I examined my wound. She had bitten me in the upper left arm. Then I saw Orgoth's helpers turn to me. They had the same shambling gait as Anne Baxter, the same pallid appearance. Within seconds, the first creature was on me. I felt his ice-cold fingers clutching at my throat. Jones! Jones! I could feel my strength slipping away. It would have been so easy to give up, to simply surrender. My mind was racing. I felt as if I was going insane. The creature seemed dead. And yet I could feel his cold hands cutting off my breathing. This wasn't happening. It couldn't be happening. My mind was going. A comfortable darkness came over me. So easy. No. Surrender. Don't give up. I had to fight. I saw to my horror that the creature had nails embedded into his flesh. Nails. That was my last chance. I grabbed hold of a long iron nail. I pulled it out of the rotting flesh of his forearm and plunged it into his lifeless eye, deep into his head. I got up as fast as I could. Every second counted. I was still dizzy. The second creature stood right in front of me. He lunged at me. I managed to dodge his attack. With one swift motion, I kicked his legs out from under him. I looked around. Jones had picked up my gun and done the right thing. Are you all right? <coughs> They're dead. Both of them. And no sign of Anne? Jim Burns was a signalman for British Rail. Tonight, he was on a shift in a signal shack at mile 36, outside of Middlesbury. He always liked the night shift. There were fewer trains, and more time to brush up on his French. Jim and his wife, Millie, were planning to go on holiday to Normandy this summer. Un chocolat chaud, s'il vous plaît. Voulez-vous un chocolat chaud? Hello? Jim, it's Bill McKenzie. 488 Carlisle Aberdeen overnight. We're right on time. You better switch the points. Uh, Righto. 
Jim hung up the phone. His finger went to the switch, when suddenly... Someone was scratching at the door. Who's there? When Jim opened the door, he saw a young blonde woman standing before him. Her skin was deathly pale. Ooh la la! You must be freezing, you poor thing. I do come in. Bonjour! <laughs> Did you get lost? Oh, you're cold. Oh, I have some hot chocolate in my thermos. Voulez-vous chocolate chaud? <laughs> the Carlisle Aberdeen Overnight Express was racing through the night. The train driver, Bill McKenzie, knew the route well. Hills, forests, and small towns slid past like ghostly visions in the dark. Next stop, Middlesbury. The train roared past the signal check. Mackenzie wondered why Tim Burns wasn't waving at him. The points! He didn't switch the points! He immediately pulled the brakes, and then he saw the woman by the rails. She was covered in blood, and that was the last thing he ever saw. Argyle Castle, the Black Keep, 10.48 p.m. Are you sure this is a good idea? We have to know what he's planning. Look, there's a door. <sighs> Some kind of laboratory. Look at all these papers and books. This one is open. Here. The parchment is ancient. At Moriart. It's not fair. It's all in Latin. Who speaks Latin? I do. It means free from death. Oh, fancy that. It's a curse, Jones. To curse the dead with life, the grave shall open and the dead will rise. Like hungry locusts, they devour all life. That's not very nice. It says that a single bite will pass the curse on. Each creature can only be stopped when its mind is destroyed. Living dead. But to end the curse forever, the necromancer must be killed. Dear God. Jones, those creatures. And Baxter. Yes? What happened here? I still can't... I don't understand. Now, do you believe, Inspector? I don't know what to believe anymore. It doesn't matter. Orgoff is dangerous. We have to protect the people of this town. You have to protect them. I couldn't even protect Anne Baxter. I gave her my word. We all make mistakes, Inspector. We're all sinners. Constable. Yes? You recognize that woman on the lorry, didn't you? Yes, it was Lara Orgoff. Lara Orgoff? That's impossible. According to our files, Lara Orgoff was his mother. Her whereabouts are unknown, but that woman seems so much younger than him. I know what I saw. That was Lara Orgoff. I would recognize her anywhere. Jones? Yes, sir. Might I have a sip from your flask? I thought you don't drink on the job. Desperate measures, Jones. 
Empty. The night that Winston was talking about, what happened? I... I don't see how that's... I have to know the truth. What was that? Look, down there, you see? The train! There are people on that train. We have to help them. Middlesbury, St. Paul's Cemetery, 11.38 p.m. stood like a statue in the middle of the small cemetery, in the pouring rain, performing an ancient, sinister ritual. Lara was pulling at her chains by his side. Orgoth put all his strength into his unholy curse. was moving underneath his feet. Skeletal hands appeared in the soft, wet earth. Then, skulls, half-decayed faces. Welcome, my children. Ogof looked around, and wherever his gaze fell, a body was reborn from the foul ground. So many. They were dressed in tattered suits and shrouds. The dead had come to feast. Go, my children! Go! Route 95, north of Middlesbury, 11.52 p.m. What are you calling? Uh, this is Powell. Sir James. John Sinclair. <laughs> Sinclair, good lord. Have you no mercy? I told you, I have a cold. I need rest. And I need backup. We have a potential Code 3 situation in Middlesbury. Code 3? Are you serious? Do I sound like I'm joking? I'll alert Captain Green. The 7th Armoured Brigade is on standby. Careful, Jones! The road is too slippery! Watch out! Anne Baxter appeared out of nowhere. Our headlights caught her pale body standing right in front of the car. Her head was hanging sideways, unnaturally distorted. There was blood on her body. Jones tore at the steering wheel. I was thrown forward. The windscreen cracked and shattered, showering me and the constable in a rain of shards. For a moment, I thought I had blacked out. When I came to... I realized that I was hanging upside down in my seatbelt. I managed to climb out. Jones, are you all right? I'm stuck. Here, I'll help you. And at that moment, a pair of cold hands grabbed my wrist. I kicked, but her grip was relentless. Finally, I managed to free myself. The wound on my arm was throbbing. I reached for my gun. In her final moments, as the bullets entered her forehead, it seemed as if her face was human once more. Help! Help me! And then me I saw here. tiny flames in the car's Get engine. Me. Here! I've got you! Uh, Can you move? The engine! It's burning! I know! Hang on, old boy! Uh, 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 
The flames reached Anne Baxter, and soon her tormented body was engulfed by the inferno, her skin cracking and burning as if it were charred paper. <coughs> A thick smoke rose into the night sky. It carried the stench of burning flesh. We have to get away! <coughs> Rest in peace, Anne Baxter. I'm so sorry. We have to go. The train. We have to help. Can you walk? Uh, no, I think so. It's not far. Here. I'll help you. What about your wound? Don't worry about that. My wound was burning like the fires of hell. I knew all too well what the text had said. That the curse was passed on through a bite. But there was no time. Royal Air Force Station, Lucas, 12.08 a.m. Go, go, go! We have to fly in low, Captain Green. Storms are severe tonight. It's risky. How long until takeoff? Seven minutes, sir. Just warming up the engine. I can't wait. We're leaving now. But, sir... Now, Sergeant! Yes, sir. All clear. Middlesbury, rail line mile 36, 12.14 a.m. The accident scene was a vision of hell. With unimaginable force, the express train had crashed into a row of parked wagons. The carriages were squeezed together like cardboard boxes. The flames burned high. Twisted metal was everywhere. And the people... Do you think anyone survived this? Let's hope. Fire engines! And ambulances. Kelby Constable. We have to get the wounded out. There's people trapped in here. Help! Some help over here! Now they're coming. With a saw. Good thinking. Damn! I can see people inside. Help me pull the metal apart. Good! It's working! Medic! Over here! Dr. McAllister! It's you! Fancy meeting you here. There are people inside this train. You don't say. You better stand back. Uh, You're wounded. You don't say. It looks like a bite. Thanks for the diagnosis, Doctor. I'll get someone to bandage it. There's no time! What's that? The judge bells. Something's wrong! We should go! But what about the wounded? Go! We have the situation under control. John! The wound! I can feel it burning. I can feel him. Who? What's going on here? Orkov. He's in Middlesbury. We have to go. Jones, get a car. He's calling me. Us. Us? The dead. He's calling the dead. Yes. While the emergency services were busy at the crash site, an army of rotting bodies descended on the village. There were dozens of them, 
dressed in their burial clothes. We were heading right towards them. Oh my god! Run him over! <laughs> Keep going! We have to plow right through or we're dead! Oh my god! Oh my god! Look, over there, the church! There's people inside! Ready? What was that? Back there. That boy, the doorway over there. The creatures are almost there. I'll get him. You run to the church. You'll never make it! I was running as fast as I could, trying to evade the rotting bodies around me. The stench of decay was unbearable. I managed to grab the child. Mommy! What's your name? Billy. I'm John. I want my mommy. I know you do. I know you're scared. I am too. But I know we're going to get out of this. I... I promise you. I whirled around. A decaying corpse was trying to attack me from behind. I reached for my gun. Away! We have a path! Let's go! My wound was pulsating more strongly now. Olgolf was close. A few meters to the church seemed like an eternity. Jones! It's me! Open up! And where do you think you're going? He was driving on his zombie army with his whip, Ivan Orgov. Lara was behind him on a chain. Orgov! What do you want? What does anyone want? Revenge, of course! He was standing right in front of me. Instinctively, I raised my pistol and pulled the trigger. But at that moment, a rotting hand grabbed my arm. <laughs> the creature was still clinging to my arm, when suddenly, the church door opened. Get inside! Jones pulled the boy and me in, and the creature. I got it! Jones slashed at him with an axe. The creature's arm came off, but that didn't stop. The brain! Aim for the head! <laughs> Thank you, Jones. A close call, Inspector. I looked around. The church was full of survivors. Some were armed with simple tools like hammers, axes, and the like. Mommy! Billy! Oh my god, Billy! We need to organize a defense. Let's get these people upstairs on the galleries. Too late! I saw the large stained glass windows shattering into thousands of little shards. On the other side was Orgoth's army, coming for us. The creatures were everywhere. They swarmed into the church like hungry insects and descended upon their victims. What on earth were they? A man turned to me. His eye sockets were empty. I fought back my rising nausea and slammed my shoulder into the creature. Then suddenly the door burst open. Dr. Orgoff and the mysterious woman entered the church. No. Not her. Go on, Constable. Confess your sins. You are in church after all. Why are you doing this, Orgoth? A lesson in moral responsibility. You see, all of this, all this regrettable death and destruction, it is all for the better. So that we may learn from it. Your little lesson costs a lot of lives. <laughs> you can't make an omelette without breaking a few eggs. Jones! Oh my god. God, I saw her before, more than 40 years ago. 
key on a small boy. They were vagabonds. Beggars. I arrested them. Oh, very good, Constable. Well, don't stop now. The whole truth. And nothing but the truth. She hung herself in her cell. I found her the next morning. Her body was just... Come on, let it all out! <laughs> I... Uh, I never reported her death. I just buried her in our graveyard. Bravo! Oh, it feels better now that it's all out, doesn't it? Much better than drowning your memories in liquor. Don't you feel relieved, Constable? It wasn't my fault. I was only doing my duty. That's what they all say. Now, it's my duty to inform you that your soul has been condemned to hell. And I have come to claim it. Orgoff unchained her. Lara was free. I've come to claim every soul in here. They are yours, my darling. All of them. She was faster than the others, much faster. I could barely make out her movements as she flung herself at me. I tried to fight back, but she was stronger than me. I could feel her icy hands on my flesh. Jones struck at her with his axe, but she swiftly blocked his blow. Then, slowly, she turned her demon eyes on the constable. John! My magazine, it's empty! <laughs> Jones! I lunged at her. Let him go! I managed to land a solid kick. Billy's mother threw me a hammer. I grabbed it. Lara ran towards me. I had only one chance. I waited until she was close enough. Then I swung the hammer. Suddenly, the living corpses were all around me. I felt their skeleton hands clawing at my skin. My wound was throbbing. There was no way out. It was only a matter of seconds now. Go, go, go! This is the seventh brigade. You're surrounded. Surrender, or we'll open fire. I knew that voice. Captain Jeremiah Green. All right, then. Open fire! I was saved. For now. I struggled to get the last corpse off me and crawled over to Jones. You're going to be all right, old boy. Jones, no. He's gone, sir. When I got to my feet, I found myself surrounded by soldiers. They had machine guns and flamethrowers. The effect of the flames was indescribable. Everywhere around us, burning corpses were stumbling through the church. Good Lord. What happened here? Orgoth! He's getting away! He's running up the bell tower! Orgoth! Then I saw him, perched at the top of the bell tower. Orgoff, it's over. Why? Why are you doing this? She used to be so sweet to me. She was the only one I ever loved. Lara? Yes, Lara. Orgoff. My mother. I know, I know. She looked great for her age, didn't she? The undead don't get any older. 
that's a privilege reserved for the living. But she remained as perfect as on the night she died. What happened? When the new regime took over Romania, Lara and I fled to the west. We traveled all over Europe. And came to Middlesbury. In the dead of winter. It was a snowstorm. The temperatures were below zero. We had no place to turn to. We would have frozen out there in that snow. But the good people of Middlesbury slammed their doors in our faces. They were happy to see us die. Go on. The constable arrested her for disturbing the peace. Ah, you know the rest. He covered up her death and buried her like a dog. And that night, I made a pact. What kind of pact? With Asmodis, the Prince of Hell. He was going to give her life. All I had to do was deliver him souls. You're sick. Everyone keeps saying that! Then perhaps you're right. It's time to end this sickness. Log off, don't! He caught me off guard. He lunged at me, and I lost my foot. We stumbled over the wall. I barely managed to hang on with my right hand. The ground beneath me, Olgoff's whip was coiled around my ankle. He was pulling me down. I couldn't hold on any longer. My fingers were slipping. I've got you, Captain! Hang on! Captain Green saved my life. But for Orgoff, it was too late. Where am I? Mr. Sinclair, I thought we'd lost you. What is this? Oh, the tent? You're in a field hospital. Captain Green helped me set it up. I dressed your wound. You had a fever. I've never seen anything like it. You were having nightmares. You were screaming. What happened last night? You don't remember? Only fragments. There was a train crash. People panicked. Rioting broke out in town. Rioting? Some kind of mass hysteria. The radio said it might have been chemically induced. Who knows? But I saw... What? What did you see? The living dead. Oh, don't be absurd. I saw them. I saw them! You had a fever! It can play tricks on your mind. Or do you mean to tell me that you believe in ghosts? No. No, of course not. <laughs> of course not. It's all right, John Sinclair. Everything is going to be all right. But it wasn't all right. It was never going to be all right again. Once you touch darkness, you can never go back to the light. I didn't know it yet, but my life was about to change forever.
Tom Sinclair Demon Hunter, Episode 1, Curse of the Undead. Audio movie by Gabriel Conroy, based on the original novel by Jason Dark. John Sinclair was played by Andrew Wincott. The narrator was Anthony Scordy. Sir James Powell was David Rintoul. Dr. Ivan Orgoff was Toby Longworth. And Anne Baxter was Jess Robinson. Constable Jones was played by Terry Wilton. Paddy was Robbie McNabb. Kinney Mitchell was Peter Marinka. Dr. McAllister was Emma Tate. And Ronald Winston was Dan Mersch. Caroline Winston was played by Charlotte Moore. Captain Green was Nico Lennon. Jim Burns was Ben Whitehead. Bill McKenzie was Daniel Kendrick. And Billy was Louis Suck. The mother was played by Martha McIntosh. And the radio voice was Nicolette McKenzie. This audio movie was recorded between December 2014 and January 2015 at OMUK Studios London and Indemix Productions Los Angeles. The recording engineers were Juan Manuel Delphine in London and Matt Lands in Los Angeles. The voice director was Douglas Welbat. Creative director was Patrick Simon. The casting consultant was Victoria Prentice. And the executive producer was Mark Zipper. Post-production took place at Ear to Brain Productions. This is a Bastai Entertainment production for 2015.